and I would just challenge people to look at it a different way. I think schools in our urban cities have failed. Families in our urban areas have failed. Drugs in our urban areas are epidemic. And then we have gangs, organized crime, career criminals, and then we have burning down of businesses. So there's no economic opportunity. And so anyone that can afford to move out of those areas have moved out. And ones that are left, there's a disproportionate number of a of, of certain minorities. But the problem is the crime in those same areas is disproportionately impacting that same minority. Guys, today's show is presented by MyPillow, MyPillow.com. It's the absolute best place to get your Christmas shopping done. You might be feeling like it's crunch time. You might be feeling like big box brands are the way to go. Target, Walmart, Amazon. You don't have to shop at those brands to get people all the gifts that they want. MyPillow.com has everything you need to make your loved ones feel special for the holidays. Pillows, sheets, and the most comfortable slippers you've ever worn. They've got bathrobes, they've got sweatshirts, and much, much more. MyPillow.com slash Mobley for the very best deals. Use promo code Mobley at checkout. Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. MyPillow.com slash Mobley. Go there today. We're talking with Ken Wood. Make sure you check out his website. It is PBTX.com. That's Professional Bondsman of Texas. PBTX.com. Go there. Check out what they've got going on. Ken, Ken, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just trying to recover from the holiday. Awesome. Likewise, uh, everyone with their their varying degrees of family tolerance, uh, which we, we spoke about a little bit before. Um, but I, I still contend my family, they stayed for just the right time. Some of them probably listened to this. So, uh, you know, this could be seen as coercive. I have to say that. Uh, but now I said it before. So, yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think the older we get, the more we... Um think about these times with family. And so I, I'm very envious of your time because I think I mentioned to you sometimes, you know, I wouldn't think the right amount of time for some of my family members would be days. I, w- I would think it would be hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have those uh, family members as well. And I didn't get to see any of them this year. So uh, maybe next year. And uh, actually that's true uh, next year. Uh, but so you know, crime is on everyone's mind. We're seeing increasing crime rates. Uh, some of the highest crime rates for particular crimes in my lifetime. I'm mid thirties, uh, but you're you're a bail attorney, so you're you're a lawyer who specializes in in bail law. And I know we spoke about this our first interview, um, but I definitely want you to hit on the idea of the terminology bail reform and kind of what that really means, what some of those consequences are and maybe reshape our expectation when we think bail reform or criminal justice reform or whatever kind of reform we need. Well, I think in the last um, year since we've spoken, uh, spoken last time, 
I think it's become very clear that when you're talking about bail reform, I think you're really not talking about reform. You're talking about decriminalization. And I think California is a perfect example. We have a referendum where we had a vote to change certain crimes from felonies to misdemeanors. And the thought was, well, they'll still be held accountable. They'll still have to answer for their misdemeanor. But then we had our urban areas where they just announced they're no no longer going to prosecute those misdemeanor crimes. And so in, in California, if you rob somebody for something less than 950 bucks, then you're not going to be prosecuted in certain areas of the state. And you can see the consequences from it. And it's all because uh, stores cannot um, withstand $25,000 a day in shoplifting. And at first it was thefts increase. Then stores started closing because they couldn't withstand that. Now it's even getting worse. Businesses are closing because they cannot provide a safe work in, uh, place for them to come to come to work. And so now we're seeing businesses close in California because they just can't provide a work, a safe work environment. And so I think it's become pretty clear that uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional, when you say bail reform, you really mean decriminalization. And the reason for that is because it creates chaos. When you, when you say you're going to cause reform or bail reform, you're really cr creating a higher failure to appear rate, more people are not showing up for court. Courts are already have a huge backlog. Courts cannot withstand. Uh, they don't have time or they don't have extra time. And so anything that slows down the system is going to cause a higher backlog. And if criminals determine that they have no accountability or that they won't be held accountable, then crime will increase. And that's exactly what we're seeing across the country. Yeah, it's really interesting because this is one of those don't believe your lion eyes moments because you you can see the crime and if you if you happen to live in any of these inner cities particularly if, if you live in an inner city and you work maybe retail um fast food something like that you know uh ken's not kidding when he says that these these businessmen and women they can't create a or they can't ensure a safe work environment when I, we're not supposed to use the word criminals, but that's what people who commit crimes are are, are criminals. It was a word. It was in uh, Miriam. Well, let's, let's be really back. let's be really clear. Who's stepping into this void? Gangs, career criminals, organized, organized crime. crime. Yeah, And they're the ones that are completely taking advantage of it in our urban areas. And our politicians are just turning a blind eye to it. And now, so that's something I heard you say on an interview and I thought back to my human trafficking task force days. Yes, this is what people aren't talking about. We have created a power vacuum, this huge void, and a void will not stay unfilled. It, it will be, you know, someone's going to jump into that power. And it's exactly what you said, organized crime and gangs. Interested to hear your thoughts about that more because I watch the news shows, you know, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, Newsmax, you know, every side of every issue. And this is something they're not talking about. Well, the, the best example I can give you is on these shoplifting where we have just a, a, a large group of people show up and they just grab everything they can and then they they leave. Well, they're going a couple of blocks away and they're turning it over to a group that set it all up for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And then those groups, which is organized crime. Um, gangs, they're setting up shop on Amazon store and selling stuff a lot cheaper. And they're making a killing off this. We're seeing it everywhere. You see it in the Cadillac converter theft, where the people who are taking it 
are stealing it are getting pennies on the dollar, but they're selling it to organized crime and they're making thousands of dollars on every Cadillac converter. I mean, this is creating a perfect storm. It's like, you know, when you tie the hands of judges so that they, with, with the good idea that you want to protect the poor, but when you set up rules that they have no discretion, as long as you're charged with a certain misdemeanor, no matter how many times, well, then organized crime finds a way to take advantage of it and run with it. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, you know, like in Harris County, where they've kind of decriminalized Cadillac converter theft. And so they're just trying to say, well, you can't sell it to anybody in Harris County. Well, they just go to the next county. I mean, it's 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 Problem ridiculous solved. when you remove all accountability. They see that as a green light. And that's what it is. It's a green light to commit crime. Yeah, that's a perfect example of a crime. And and people either don't hear about it, don't know what's going on. You know, if it happens to you and your catalator converter's gone, guys, type this in the YouTube, type this in the Google, look at the results, look at the dates. And you you see, you can see with your own eyes a sharp incline on the data, on the actual videos, on the actual uh, crime stats. You, you're not going to see a lot of reporting on it, again, because... Uh, mainstream media is not going to report on it for whatever reason, but we're seeing crime across the board rise, violent crime, but also uh, petty theft, theft. Um, you know, we've all seen those videos of people going and emptying out uh, Apple stores and Apple. They, they had that big thing where they were displaying on all the devices, hey, this is stolen. Please return to whatever uh, the address of the nearest Apple store is. Um, but guys, this is this is stuff that's happening. And if we know anything, you know, from this endless drug war or from watching a, a child or a teen spiral out of control is if we don't get some kind of bearing on the situation, it's going to get worse. And you see people, they go through this trajectory where um, they're they're stealing small items from Target then maybe they're doing robberies and eventually they're committing violent crimes. Not to say that all anyone who stole a deck of cards as a 12 year old is going to become a, a mass murderer. No, that's, that's not the case. Um, but this is something that's out of control. I'm, I'm looking here cause I've got crime stats over here, which we'll get to in a bit. I'm curious. And this is just pure conjecture here. We don't know. I, I, I don't know if you know, presumably you don't. Why? Are politicians turning a blind eye? We're not geniuses. I'm not. I, I, I don't know if you identify as a genius or not. We're not geniuses or Nostradamuses. We don't have crystal balls. You can see these policies have failed. You can see that they're trending the wrong way and crime is also trending the wrong way. Why are they turning a blind eye? Why aren't prosecutors prosecuting? Cops are arresting when they can. Uh, but prosecutors aren't prosecuting. I don't know we, if we can even really blame judges for this because sometimes the the criminals never really get to the judge. Well, I have a theory on, on how we got here, and I think it's a combination of things. I don't think it was, I mean, maybe it was intentional, but I don't think it was. I think we started out probably five or six election cycles in our history where we have one side of the political spectrum trying to make their supporters angry to get them out in larger numbers. And so they were telling their supporters, you're being mistreated. You're not being treated fairly. And we, we need to do something about that. And I think the supporters found that, uh, that that was something that was said every election cycle for, for a while, but then nothing happened. 
And so they started looking for politicians that I would label as true believers. And so they started electing people who said it and did it. And then you've got the second thing that I think has really impacted us in a negative way for a healthy society. And that is this concept of uh, identity politics. You know, I think that one side of the spectrum has been very successful with identity politics, poisoning the well so much against um, one party just because of your identity, because you are X, you can never vote for one party because of why you can never vote for one party. And, and that's really not very healthy for our uh, society because, you know, people start taking advantage of that. A healthy society is you go back and forth and you and that pushes everybody to the middle. But when we're now only nominating the extremes of both parties and one party has convinced you that there's no, uh, or a majority of the populace, populace that there's no way in, in hell that you can vote for the other party, even if you don't agree with what they're doing, well, then things are going to get really, really crazy for a while. It will eventually... Um, correct itself because it's not sustainable. What's going on right now is not sustainable. So it will have a correction, um, but but it didn't happen a couple of weeks ago. And so we're left to keep struggling. Absolutely. You guys, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Ken Good. Did you know you can be fined, sued into financial ruin, or even have your business shut down if you don't have the right verbiage on your website? Yeah, neither did I, until I met Erica Kohlberg. Erica is a licensed practicing attorney who found a serious gap in the market. Firms like hers charge massive fees for simple legal document services. Erica knew there had to be a better way, and that's how Plug and Law was born. Plug and Law is the best solution for all your business's legal needs. They provide fill-in-the-blank legal templates to protect you, your business, and the people who depend on you most. With Plug and Law's legal bundle, you get a privacy policy, terms and conditions, and a legal disclaimer crafted by an attorney for the fraction of the price. Legal documentation preparation fees with your own lawyer can cost $500, $800, even $1,000 for a single document. A privacy policy alone comes in for an average of $500. Use my affiliate link to get Plug and Law's legal bundle for just $97. You could find an attorney and pay upwards of $1,500 for the same legal documents, but you're too smart for that. Go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash law and get the legal bundle for just $97. Right now, we're throwing in a free affiliate marketing legal guide. That's a savings of nearly $2,000. Don't miss out and risk everything you've built. Go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash law and protect your business, yourself, and your family. Welcome back. We're chatting with Ken Good, Texas-based bail attorney. What, what, do you, what are you hearing is the cause of why the election didn't have a, the, the result expected? Um, uh, I'm hearing a lot of things. I do subscribe to the idea from what I could see in my anecdotal experience here in Virginia um, is that Republicans didn't take advantage and, and really do a ground game 
Um, uh, I personally, I worked on campaigns and I know some prominent and some lesser known uh, politicians who really kind of didn't lean into it and it was theirs to lose. Uh, so many of them won their races just because it, it was, you know, a plus 10 plus 12 red district or whatever. Um, but aside from like Carrie Lake, I have no idea what's going on out there, but a lot of winnable races, they didn't really um, campaign, which is something that right-wingers complain about a lot. This one, this person won, they didn't campaign. That person won and they didn't campaign. We didn't do a lot of good campaigning. I We have Hung Cow here in Virginia's uh, uh, 10th congressional district. And he was, for I think a period of eight weeks, he was the highest... Uh, the highest fundraising candidate in all of America. So that includes gubernatorial, senatorial, uh, and um, all of the congressional races everywhere. But still here as a campaign volunteer, and I did some data work and content strategy for them, the campaign was kind of lackluster. And the incumbent was... was uh, I think this is her third term in Congress. It's like you got to bring the heat if you want to. I don't. Unseat. I don't really know what. I mean, I haven't decided what it is. I think there was a combination of things at the very end. I think the student loan uh, executive order, which has been, yeah. our, I think that was effective in getting it out the base. Uh, and I think that uh, I don't know whether the. Um, ruling by the u.s supreme court had an impact those usually do not so i think contrary to what we're hearing i don't i don't know if i believe that that had an impact but i think that these i think a bigger impact was these statements by the la in the last week or two of the election where you have the president of the united states saying elect us or there will be war yeah um i think that was i mean you know, people get scared of war. And when you're saying we're going to have a civil war or war within ourselves, I mean, you know, I, I've said before, a democracy cannot function without the consent of the losing party. And so if, if the losing party was going to be the Democrats and they're saying we're not going to consent, we're going to have war amongst ourselves, then that's pretty, I mean, that's, I think, that works for a little bit. I mean, that's a continuation of what the strategy I've already mentioned. It's, it's the same thing. Continue to, it's to build on anger uh, to continue. That works for a little bit. It works for several election cycles as we've seen, but it, it can't, I mean, for a healthy uh, society that doesn't work very long without us having a civil war. And I think some people would argue we're in the middle of a civil war right now. And it's that same concept, you know, defund the police or we'll have war. Um, Less than penalties for criminals or we'll have war. And so you've seen a lot of these uh, reforms made as a result of those threats. And now we're seeing a pushback. And so now it's no. And so they're going to say the same thing. And so now we're going to have confrontation. It's just whether it's going to be oral or more than that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, I think a powerful argument data point for what you're saying is kind of what the left has in their brochure now you know like look what we've done um cities we've burnt down we've occupied 
talk about an insurrection. They occupied sovereign territory inside the United States and declared it lawless land, which is arguably one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, but it even I, makes it worse for the people who live there because it oh, yeah. lowers the property values of destroyed businesses. And a lot of those did not come back. I mean, if I was an elected official there, I would be standing out in front of those businesses saying, if you set fire to this, that doesn't harm anybody, but your parents, your, your uncles, your aunts. And I'd be having other people stand there with me going, do not do this. This arms everybody. And we but, didn't see any but of that. They didn't we? touch it with a 10 foot pole. They, no, they, no, they, they pretended they, it didn't happen. Well, and they stepped back and said, it's just property. It's insured. Go burn it down. Yeah. Which, Hey, that stands up. That argument works for big box that, you know, Target will be fine. Walmart will be fine. Sometimes not their franchisee, um, but big corporate, you know, branded big box will well, be Well, I mean, is that really, I mean, I don't know if that's really, truly the response. I would say, I'd say it differently. I'd say they are the only ones that can withstand that yeah. kind of damage. So yeah. at the end of the day, they're the only ones that survive because they're the only ones with a deep enough pocket. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I agree with what you said before, uh, the property values plummeted and the businesses that were destroyed were irreparably damaged. They'll never recover. Um, and then many of them realized that, especially, you know, this is coming on the heels of COVID kind of the businesses were already trying to figure a lot of things out. Um, so those, those businesses are just destroyed forever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I am of the persuasion that our voting system doesn't make a lot of sense to me right now um, because we traded a system that was low cost, fast, and easy to understand for a system that was high cost, slow, and complicated. Um, as a consumer, we wouldn't accept any of those concessions, let alone all three. Um, so maybe this is just as a philosophical point, it doesn't make sense to me what we've done with elections here. You know, France uses paper ballots. They use envelopes that are like a hundred years old. They've been using the same little blue envelopes to, you know, cover their votes for I, think, I, I would century. even use that as another example. We've got one party that will not agree to do anything to give yeah. anybody any, uh, assurance that the election is valid, secure. They just say, take our word for it, but yeah. they're not willing to actually do anything. <laughs> Except for when they lose. <laughs> Except for when they lose, you know, you're going to see that over, you're going to see that in the house on, on investigation. Suddenly the people that were filing referrals and bringing people for contempt are going to ignore the same subpoenas. And um, you're just going to, you're going to see less trust in the federal government as a result, because it's all about winners and losers. It, it's not about, I mean, we used to have a time in this country where politicians would say, I would rather lose than undermine our democracy. We don't have that anymore. We haven't had that need in a decade. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's uh it's my my first interview. It was the second one that ever aired, but it was truly the first interview I ever did was, um, Dr. Steve Bucci with the Heritage uh, Foundation. 
Uh, and he's a retired Green Beret Colonel, national security policy guy. Um, and back then, so this is October 2020, I'm just saying, you know, things are so bad. Like, how are you not freaking out? And he said, this isn't the first time that the nation's dealt with any of these issues. He, he said that he believed that the founders made so resilient a system of government that it could bounce back from a lot of the stupidity of man that it has. And he he was talking to me about um, the American Communist Party, the American Socialist Party, you know, back when it was new and sexy and cool. And, and we had socialists and communists in high office and, and when we survived it and we survived the Cold War and all this conflict. So he's just very hopeful. Um, and I was ping ponging back and forth. Like, you know, this is the end of the, you know, the Republic's collapsing and, and these are the timelines for democracies. These are the timelines for republics. And I would go back and forth and he really made me feel better for a good long while. But now I'm starting to feel the sensationalism of it all again. <laughs> like things are bad. Well, I do think really there's, bad. I do think we go through cycles and I think we went through a similar cycle in the sixties, um, mm -hmm. which resulted in a backlash and, uh, is probably one of the things that got Reagan elected. Uh, I think that it has swung so hard this time so fast that it's kind of, we didn't realize what's happening until we were way down the road. So it'll be, I mean, so I thought maybe we would swing, start swinging back quicker than we are. Uh, but I think when it does, it's going to be just as hard a swing in the opposite direction it, because we're just electing, you know, the extremes of both parties. So you only have, you know, the winners of the election when it finally changes will swing back very hard. And I don't think either one of those are healthy. You know, even, you know, historically we've made incremental change. And the problem with the bell reform movement is, they've wanted to throw out the whole system and replace it with something which was really an experiment. It started out with, we're going to do a risk assessment, which had never been tested. It was just, you know, the Arnold foundation came up with it. Now it's Arnold ventures. And that now that we have, it's been studied and it's been debunked and, and, and uh, you know, all the largest digital companies in the world came out with a joint statement saying they shouldn't even be used. And they're still advocating. Yeah. They just gave out grants for people uh, for counties to try them. And so they can come out and say, Oh no, no, they haven't been debunked. So it's, it's ridiculous that we can't even, you know, used to, we'd agree on facts. Now we don't agree on facts because <laughs> now it's you know, alternative facts. Well, those are yes. alternative facts. And you know, when I went to law school, we, you know, we'd say you could argue the facts, but you can never argue the law. We, well, we can't even agree on what the law is. We can't agree on anything. And, you know, and, and I, I would say the, the left is doing a real disservice to the public because they don't ever defend their arguments anymore. If you say something that they disagree with, they don't respond to the merits. They just call you names. They call you a liar. They call you a racist. They don't, but yeah. they never have to respond on the merits. And that is very, uh, that's hurt. That's harmful to them because they never learn how to defend their arguments. And I, I love it when we have to sit down and talk and we have a civil conversation because they can't defend their positions. Oh, yeah. I um, I got to do some visiting. Patrick Henry, I, I live essentially down the road from Patrick Henry College. And, um, you know, they've won all kinds of uh, not litigation awards. What, uh, one, they have incredibly high rates of uh, students that go through there who, who move on and their bar 
passage rate is like off the charts and stuff like that. But uh, just listening to the students debate um, and and they they draw what side of the issue they're on, you know, <laughs> live. And it's just awesome. Just just seeing people that can get beyond rhetoric, but they can really think and they can really put together an argument that's sound. And it's like, oh, man, this is good, even when it's not what you agree with. Um, and the left used to come to the table and do that. They don't so much anymore. It's really annoying. Um, they're bullies. Uh, they, they do a lot of thing through force or threat of, you know, through violence or threat of violence. And um, yeah. And then the, the name calling that you kind of called out, it's another bullying tactic, you know, well, um, I was on a panel. Oh, last month in Tennessee with uh, in Shelby County, which uh, I think is St. Louis, but I'm, I'm not for sure about the name, but uh, a newly elected DA funded by Soros with, was taking office. And so it was a very enjoyable experience to, to kind of have a debate, even on a large panel with him, because I was pointing out that they're already right as he was taking office, their dismissal rate was 50, 60% on criminal cases. And, wow. um, and he was saying, you know, well, that's not a bad thing. And I'm like, you are the freaking sitting DA. In two years, because of your policies, it's going to be 80% because that's what it is currently in, in Harris County. It was 72%. And then I checked in um, in August and their dismissal rate was over 90% for all cases that were disposed for that month. It's because of their backlogs. They just, they're, I mean, they're just dismissing cases. But if you're the sitting DA and you are dismissing uh, 60, 70, 80% of the, your cases disposed of the month, that either means one or two things. One, you're filing cases and you're picking on people. Or two, you're not doing your job. You are the voice for the victims. And if you are suddenly the voice of the defendant and there is no voice of the victim, well, then they have no voice. And that undermines public safety and that's what we're seeing in our urban areas where and you know the da and in, in uh, la really underscored it last year when his office said well you know we just have a disagreement over who the real victim is they thought the real victim was the person accused of a crime no wow. they don't that's just their yeah. constituent well that's how we got crt it came in through the criminal job through a proposed criminal justice reform, which it's been explained to me several times. Um, it was explained to me when I was going through the law enforcement academy here in central Virginia many, many, many moons ago. Um, and it didn't make sense to me then. And it still doesn't make sense to me that we the idea that we need to understand why someone did something. Um, and that speaks to the validity, the legitimacy, it speaks to everything. It, 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 it's the facts of the case. It's like, no, why, why they did it is maybe this is harsh, but in my mind, it's irrelevant. I don't really like, I, I understand someone who's hungry, like the Aladdin scene, someone who's hungry, stealing bread while they're starving, they're stealing the bread to eat. Like I, I get it, but we can't extrapolate that to crimes like car theft someone who doesn't have a car and they want your car. So they open your door and punch you in the face and pull you out on the road and, and take up. We, we can't say it's because they're without. No. 
<laughs> you know, no. you go to our urban areas and you, you say, well, race is, you know, we have a higher percentage of, of people of a certain race in our jails and our urban areas. And so this is all racial. It's, that's all it is. It's racial. And so, and I, and I would just challenge people to look at it a different way. I think schools in our urban cities have failed. Families in our urban areas have failed. Drugs in our urban areas are epidemic. And then we have gangs, organized crime, career criminals. And then we have burning down of businesses. So there's no economic opportunity. And so anyone that can afford to move out of those areas have moved out. And ones that are left, there's a disproportionate number of, a, of, of certain minorities. But the problem is the crime in those same areas is disproportionately impacting that same minority. And yeah. so if the police officer that arrests you is the same minority as you are, the prosecutor is the same minority as, as you that were arrested, and your judge is the same minority. I don't know how you can say that race is impacting that. It just seems like an excuse to say we need to grade on a curve. We need to fail you the criminal, the accused person, even in the criminal justice system, when the criminal justice system is many times the last opportunity to get somebody to change course and be productive. And the answer cannot be, we're going to give up there too. Many people know about our clinic, but most don't realize we help patients around the globe reach their health goals. Deep down, you know there's got to be a way to get there, but you don't know where to start. Our starter plan is the first step. You'll get everything you need to experience a health transformation in 120 days. You'll start by resetting your health with a two-week detox. Then you'll implement our proven anti-inflammatory food plan. On top of this, you'll get a 120-day supply of essential supplements, omega-3, and vitamin DK as well as our homeopathic drops to accelerate your health goals. Go to Sherwood.tv now and use the promo code on your screen to receive this exclusive offer and save a total of $80. This is your path to more energy and better health. Welcome back from that break. We are speaking with Ken Good, Texas-based bail attorney. You know, I'll try and keep this issue out of it. What you're saying reminds me of a change my mind I recently watched with Steven Crowder. And it was about there being, uh, it was, uh, there are only two genders or sex and genders, not different, change my mind, something like that. Um, but one of the arguments that he used, one of the justifications of why he wants to preserve this tradition uh, is because it works really well. Um, there's a lot of data points about it and the success of, of uh, well, say like families that have a two parent home, the, the parents are married before they have kids and graduate high school and all of those those success factors. Why would you, you come onto the scene and you have this new fangled idea about criminal justice reform? There's no data on it. And now we're getting data that's bad. We're, we're getting trends that are trending in the wrong direction. When you want to do a public policy thing, and this is why we have committees, and this is why we have impact surveys and estimates, 
when you want to bring in some some new fancy policy, you need to ground it in reality of how this policy is going to manifest in reality, because that that's why engineers and uh, factory workers don't like each other because the engineers, they, they live in on this paper world and then in the factory, it's reality. Something might not work that worked on paper doesn't work in reality. So without getting into the gender stuff. So. Hey, but that's a great um, example. What I say to, to that is when you're looking at a new policy, you, you've got to take into account the unintended consequences. Yeah. And that's what we're not doing. And, I, you know, I think our think tanks are doing us a disservice. And some people would argue that, you know, there's a couple of billionaires that are funding both sides of the debate. And that's why we had a few a, a few years where it looked like the left and the right think tanks on criminal justice reform were coming to the same consensus. It was like, hey, we all agree. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think there's probably some merit that there was some influence because we've seen influence on, on those types of situations for quite a while where uh, the funding influences the result. And I think that we've had a real disservice on not looking at unintended consequences. I think California is a perfect example. I think New York as well, where, you know, we have well-intended, you could say these are well-intended policies where we take a felony and we discount it to a misdemeanor. They still have to answer for the crime. But then when you, you look at these urban areas where, we're, are we are we now saying that our conservatives were tricked into agreeing to this? Is that where we are? The left tricked us into agreeing to it, and now they're decriminalizing it? That's why I say it was either intentional or unintentional, but the result is the same. Decriminalization yeah. of crime. And if the public in, in California had been uh, told, you're voting on whether we're going to decriminalize theft for $950 or less, the vote would have been overwhelmingly no. But that's not how it was presented to them. And you're seeing that across the country where it's been presented as one thing. You see that in New Jersey where they uh, reformed the uh, uh, bail system. They did a constitutional amendment to give judges more discretion. The problem is the actual terminology, the constitutional amendment, the statutes that were put in place took away discretion, made it nearly impossible to hold somebody without bail. And so it releases more people. The jail population goes down. You release more people accused of crimes, your crime is going to go up because they see that as a green light. And so we're now in a correction period and we have a lot of correcting to do. Yeah, man, I we are on the same sheet of music on this one. You have to live in reality with how things are going. A lot of people don't realize this, but for my whole lifetime, um, well, almost my whole lifetime, for about a 30-year period, crime was trending in the right direction, the good direction. Violent crime was down and trending down. Um, other crimes, larceny, theft, these sorts of things. Um, I, I haven't seen hard data on white collar crime. I would assume that it was also on the decline, but who knows? Uh, and, you know, I've got this thing in front of me and well, we spoke about it before. I don't know if we spoke about it in an interview, um, but the, uh, Project 21's blueprint for a better deal for black America. And these are just facts, guys. You can like it. You can not like it. In New York City, the murder rate in or homicides in New York City in 1990 were 2,605. And in 2018, it was 562, which is huge. And we should continue trending in that direction. Uh, but instead, you see homicides in America increased in 2019 over 20. 
in 2020 over 2019, the fastest rate in modern American history. And the, this is the second fastest rate since we started recording these crimes. This is uniform crime report data from the FBI. Uh, the, these are your institutions, you know, you, you guys on the left. These are the institutions that you champion. Um, but again, in, in those minority communities uh, and in cities, homicides were up nearly 37% among a sampling of 57 medium-sized uh, cities. And of large cities, they're way up, um, way up. We, well, we don't even need to read this, but it's between 95 and 58% increases in some of the largest cities uh, in America. And that's 2019, 2021, 20, and now 22, which is absurd. It, it's absurd that my whole lifetime, crime's been going down and no one, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men, they can't figure out while, why we're seeing this huge reversal when we're testing out these nonsense policies and they didn't test them in limited markets, see how they went. Like if you're going to develop an app and you launch it in your company of a thousand people, you give it to a team of 10 people and kind of see how the technology works. And if it works great, then maybe a hundred person team and you, you know, you economies of scale. You don't just throw it out there. Hey, we've had criminal justice going. There's a common law practice of, of uh, criminal justice. And let, let's just, throw this wholly new untested thing into the whole entire system, coast to coast, border to border. It's insane. It's literally I, insane. I agree. And it, it's incredible. We don't know. I mean, I don't know how you reverse this, but I think it's a coalition. It's a, and you know, the coalition has the true believers in it and it has people that are looking who have other goals, but they agree with this to get through their goals. And I think one of the things that's pushed this reform is you know, saving money. I mean, the budgets are being pressed all across the country. And there was this promise that was made. We can release more criminals. We can be, uh, we can make it where fewer people can go to jail and we'll still be safe. We'll still have a high amount of public safety. And I think the one thing that we've learned through this is that's just not true. When you, when there's a correlation, when you release more criminals from jail, you're going to have more crime. Uh, and when you decrease the, Increase the number of people who are in jail, you're going to have less crime. You've got to find a middle ground. Um, and that's what we're not doing right now. I mean, if you if you push our inner cities, they'll deny. You saw this in the right in the week before the election that we just had. People in our inner cities were denying that we were having an increase in crime. And it was just a Republican talking point. And you saw a backlash against the mayor of New York City for for giving uh, lip service to this talking point that was just not real about increasing crime. And so, I mean, when you put that with identity politics and you're being told you can't trust anything that the other side says, you have to believe us, that works for a while. And I think that was one of the things that happened. I think you could also argue there was a purchase of the election on the student loan stuff uh, that brought out students to vote. And then it all got taken away by the courts or so far it has. Um, and you know, the stuff I'm seeing says that it wasn't even a close call on whether the, whether the president could do this. It, it looks like it was just a blatant political move right before oh, yeah. an election. Um, yeah. and I think history will tell us whether that's true or not. Uh, but this is crazy. And where do we turn this around and where do we start fixing this? I mean, 
I was thinking that there was no compromise, that you have to defeat these people in the election because they're not willing to compromise. Well, that didn't happen. And so what are we going to do? Just continue the status quo for a couple more years until the next election? I don't think so. I think there was progress made in some state um, houses and some state uh, legislatures. Um, and so you're going to see more and more pressure. I think the pressure, the two weeks before the election was incredible amount of pressure because the party on the left thought they were going to lose. I have a, I predict they're going to, they're going to draw the wrong conclusion from this election. And so that means it's going to get worse where it gets better. I think. I I think the 10th amendment is the way to go. Um, and we're, we're seeing communities, counties, and a couple of States, um, really wake up to it. Uh, Florida obviously has done a great job of this, but Texas as well. Texas has answered government overreach a number of times and said, we're not going to be participating in that. No, thanks. Um, and we know and- Texas had a push for bail reform. They've had it in several um, in the last three legislative sessions, starting three sessions ago mm-hmm. where Senator Whitmire would propose that Texas pretty much do the New Jersey plan. Uh, which, you know, the Vera Institute was pushing. And and I would say everybody says it's been a complete failure. I mean, the Vera Institute says any reform will cause a 40% failure to appear rate, and that's okay. Uh, the problem is that just shows they don't know criminal yeah. justice because a 40% failure. failure to appear rate creates complete and utter chaos, which means decriminalization. Uh, so, But in the last legislative st- session, Texas did did bail reform, but the, did the opposite, strengthened bail reform mm-hmm. instead of made it weaker. Uh, took away discretion from judges on the opposite side so that you can give out fewer PR bonds so you can't just release people. And you're going to see, I think, another fight in the Texas legislative session um, to try to find a solution for Harris County because Harris County had a lot of judges that were reelected. There's a fight over the election, whether something was funny business was going on, we don't know. Uh, and I don't like those types of discussions. I, I don't want to further undermine our democracy by saying every election that we lose uh, was faked or was stolen, whatever. I mean, the result is the result, and we have to get to the bottom of it because we have to strengthen our, our confidence in our elections. But in the meantime, we have a problem in Harris County. It's not sustainable. It cannot continue on indefinitely. And until our politicians uh, and at the state and the local level agree to work together, we're going to have a fight. We're going to, they want to do one thing. The state legislature wants to do another. And uh, I think the legislature sets the policy. And so you're going to see a pretty ugly fight. I think in Texas, well, there, there needs to be a path of recourse, which is not a call for violence. People not a call for violence. Whoever media matters, who's going to clip this. Um, but and now I forget who said the quote, but basically revolution happens or or violence happens when the ruling party doesn't allow for the minority party to be heard, uh, doesn't allow for conversation, uh, civil discourse, debates, anything like that. Um, and it, it's yeah, but a revolution also occurs when the losing party won't consent to be governed by the winning party. Yeah, yeah, you, exactly. you haven't seen that in the United States from the right. You've only seen that from the left. Now, yeah. you would argue that on January 6th that uh, an attempt was made um, by, you know, former. President uh, I, I wouldn't because I was. I don't agree with that. Some, I mean, I don't agree with that. You don't yeah. usually you bring a gun to a gunfight and, you know, yeah. you don't bring a march. Uh, we've seen 
we've seen the opposite. You know, I think when Trump was elected, there were reactions, strong reactions to that, that were much more uh, damaging to society. And so, but, but the problem is we have one party that two weeks before the election was threatening that they would not consent to be governed if they lost. And that's uh, the whole basis of our democracy. If we don't have that, then when your threats run out, what are you left with? You're, you're going to go to civil war. I mean, maybe, I don't know, but I think we, we, every, you know, we have, we're having a cycle. One cycle is ending. Uh, They may not like it, but it's not sustainable. So maybe it's, they'll go back to rhetoric and concede to allow it to take place because they'll realize it's not sustainable. We cannot have a society where you don't have public safety. Guys, MyPillow.com is the very best place for Christmas shopping. You might be feeling like it's a time crunch, like you got to go to big box stores, Walmart, Target, Amazon. Don't buy from Amazon. You don't have to do it. Mike Lindell and MyPillow, they've got everything you need and more. Guys, we're talking pillows, sheets, loungewear, slippers, everything. Guys, MyPillow.com slash Mobley for the very best deals. Use promo code Mobley at checkout. Look at these prices. You got Geezer Dream Sheets for $29.98. Guys, the My Slippers are on sale with my promo code Mobley, $49.98. They're usually $140. Huge savings. You're not going to find that anywhere else, guys. Look, you got pillows. You got loungewear. Now, look, if you don't know about my pillow loungewear, this stuff right here is some of the most comfortable stuff, the softest cotton you've ever seen, the sleepwear, the loungewear. My MyPillow sweatshirt, I never take it off. You get up to 80% on all of these items. You thought my pillow was just about pillows. You thought Mike Lindell was just a pillow guy. You were wrong. He sells so much more than pillows. MyPillow.com slash Mobley, promo code Mobley. Guys, go there now. Huge thanks to Mike Lindell. Huge thanks to MyPillow for being a sponsor of the show. Now let's get back into it. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Well, one day someone will wake up and say, hey, I think we took a wrong turn. (laughs) We should should set. Then a lot of things just need to be set back the way they were. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I had a conversation with a gentleman named Paul Lott. He ran for Congress in Virginia. And it was interesting because one of his talking points on his campaign was that he believed that Congress ought not pass laws at a breakneck speed anymore, that they should actually take their foot off the gas uh, because it did. It, the machine is just getting larger and larger. And instead, they should maybe take on some functions of looking at the impact of the policies and the laws that have been passed and put in place and um, maybe tweaking existing programs. It was really interesting. I kind of knew it was going to. But isn't that an argument just for incremental change? Because when you have incremental change, you're building off of what a system that everybody trusts and you're tweaking it either for the good or for the bad, but you're just making a small change. When you're throwing well, that's why out- we have these issues is because yes. we've stopped making incremental changes. We've started that's making right. broad sweeping changes. And, th- and that's what I'm saying. When you throw out the bath with the dishwater or whatever you whatever the expression is, when you throw the whole system out and start anew with something that's never been tried, never been tested, 
unintended consequences have not been anticipated, well, you're going to have this humongous problem where chaos ensues. People are taking advantage of the system because you're not incrementally changing the system. But that's not fast enough in the in 2022 for you know our current society where everything happens on the blink of a mu- blink of an eye and mm-hmm. we can't wait around for incremental change. I understand that, but that's not healthy for society. That's what under helps to undermine our credibility. And then when you have one party that every time they lose, they blame that it's the end of the world, the sky is falling, just because they want lost a case at the Supreme Court. Now we have to undermine the U.S. Supreme Court its credibility, and we have to personally attack people, and we have to tell people to go to their homes and do stuff. Well, that undermines the whole system. Again, that's not sustainable for a healthy society. Couldn't agree more. Man, this is an excellent interview. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for coming on. I definitely want to plug, I, I want to hit my microphone, but I definitely want to plug uh, your website, which I should have pulled up. It'll be in the show. It'll be right here somewhere <laughs> on the screen. Um, but uh, uh, tell people what you've got going on and where they can uh, uh, follow sure. your work. You can visit our website at pbtx.com, which is the Professional Bonds of Texas we're on Facebook. We're on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can also, uh, we have a blog, which is, uh, you can find on our menu. And we also have a podcast called The Bell Post, uh, which you could go to bellpost.com or you could also go to the uh, link on our uh, website as well. Watch. Guys, make sure you go and check out that website. It's pbtx.com. The link will be below. So all you got to do, wherever you see our, our talking heads, you just scroll down and press a button with your finger. It couldn't be easier. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for coming on. I'll have to have you back again sooner than a year. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's These are very important issues, and I, I always enjoy a very intelligent and, and um, thoughtful discussion, and I'll go anywhere I can to have those. I, I don't like to go where people call me names, but I have the thick skin too. <laughs> now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show. Joe Mobley Show.